And what we're going to see through the book of Romans is that when we live by God's truth, we can experience the blessing of a God who created us and the blessings of life that He created to bring glory and honor to Him. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, we're going to begin a new sermon series out of the book of Romans, but before we do, it is the year 2020. Hard to believe. So get it started right. Share Happy New Year around you to everybody within shouting distance. Tell them Happy New Year quickly. Woo, woo. That seemed semi-genuine. Awesome. Y'all remember it wasn't too long ago, we were all worried our computers weren't going to work. The world was going to shut down. Y2K was here, and now it's 2020. We're supposed to be flying around like Jetsons. I don't know if you know who the Jetsons are, guys, but uh, we were supposed to be at the place now where we wouldn't be in cars, we'd be flying everywhere. Things would be quite different. You probably came to church today expecting a cheesy sermon about a 2020 vision in 2020 or something like that. Uh, I'm not going there this morning. Although I did learn to appreciate 2020 vision at the end of last year. I wear contacts to help me see how pretty you really are. And uh, I got one of them that got all twisted up mine. I don't know if any of you wear corrective lenses, but when they get twisted, it is not a pretty thing. Uh, it began to be brutal in my eye. I couldn't see. I was trying to get it out. Couldn't get the contact out. Then I thought it popped out, so I stuck another one in, and everything was double blurry. Apparently I had two contacts in at the time. Couldn't get both of those out. And for two days, I was Mr. Magoo going through earth here in Oklahoma City. I learned to appreciate the importance of being able to see clearly. And as we go into the book of Romans, that's what it will help us do. And that's what this book has done throughout all of human history. The title of this sermon series is Truth or Consequences. You have to talk to your grandparents about when they were growing up. There was a show called Truth or Consequences. It was, uh, Bob Barker was the host of that show. And we came to realize there is truth and then there is consequences when we don't live by truth. Well, that didn't come off TV. That comes out of God's words. Truth. We can experience the blessing of a God who created us and the blessings of life that he created to bring glory and honor to him. Or... We can choose to do what we've done before. We can do it our way. We can do what we want to do. We can step outside of God's design, and God will let you do that. And perhaps 2019, as you look back, it may be more of a year of consequences than it was a year of blessings. Because you see, the Bible says we can't mock God. We can't live life however we want to live it. We didn't create this life. He did. And he created it with a purpose. He created it with a design and when we step away from that, we only experience destructive consequences. It's interesting that this book of Romans was written to a group of people in a culture much like ours. They were supposedly enlightened. They were supposedly an advanced culture. They were doing everything that was right in their own eyes except what was right in God's eyes. And Paul would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to the Romans, not just for their day and age, but also for ours. Our culture isn't much different than the Roman culture of his day. We, too, seek to do whatever we want to do. We seek to justify it, legalize it, and whatever we say goes is the way of our truth, but maybe not his truth. 
And so I hope that in 2020, that we will clearly see what is true and what is not. And we will wrestle with some things that you may not like to hear and may not be very politically correct, but is spiritually correct, eternally correct, and will bring a blessing to your life. If you look back on your timeline, you will see that the times you honored God's word, it always brought blessing. It may have been challenging, it may have been difficult, but it always brought a blessing. But we can also look back, and every one of us, the Bible says, has fallen short of the glory of God, so we all can look back on our timeline, and we can see times where we chose to do it our way, and you can see the consequences that followed. I have yet and will never meet a person who did it their way, whether it's Frank Sinatra or somebody else, and came out of it and said, man, I was blessed because I did it my way instead of God's way. I've never met that person. Never have I met that person. And so as we enter into 2020, it would be the American tradition to sit down and draw out some resolutions, right? We got to get that piece of paper out and we got to look back and then look forward and say, these are the new commitments I make for this year. Well, the book of Romans is going to show you why we do that every year. It's going to show us why we struggle with doing the right things and why it's so easy to do the wrong things. Matter of fact, we'll get into Romans chapter seven when Paul said, the things I know I'm not supposed to do, I do those very things. And then I look and I see there are things that God wants me to do, things that are good for my life and things that God wants to use me to do, and I don't want to do those things. You say, the apostle Paul said that? Yes. Because you see, that is the human reality. It is the struggle of our flesh versus the spirit. And so God would use the apostle Paul to help us understand the battle that goes on inside of us and how we can live out the righteousness of God in a very unrighteous world. As we study this book, today's sermon is going to be a little bit different. So if you're here today, I want you to be patient. I want you to take some foundational notes. The whole purpose is to lay a foundation on what is in the background of this book so that we can better understand it as we study it verse by verse in 2020. Some things and some themes that have been laid out as we go through the book, you can see a chart up on the screen. You'll see at the very first part of this letter, there will be a focus on the gospel. What is the gospel? And why was that so important to the heart of Paul and why that should be important to your heart as well? He will go in and he'll talk about that being the primary focus of his calling in life, his understanding of the gospel, his sharing of the gospel. Second thing we'll dig into is the righteousness that went obsolete. While the righteousness was revealed in the gospel, we'll see that righteousness was made obsolete through the issue of sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That created a problem. And so now Paul, from Romans chapter 3 through Romans chapter 5, will deal with a big old hairy theological word we use called justification. How did God step in and make what was unrighteous righteous? That's called justification. That's how we know salvation. Then we move on in chapter 6 through 8 and we look at the issue of sanctification. You say, that is boring. Wait till you see the reality of what it means to be sanctified by God. We'll also dig in to the issues of how righteousness was to be spread throughout all the earth as we seek to serve God in this new life we have through Christ. As we continue on, uh, let me help you understand where this book falls in the Apostle Paul's writings. If you'll look at this chart, let's go to the next one up on the screen. 
uh, there you go. As you look at the Apostle Paul's lifeline, his new life in Christ, you'll see the very first uh, epistle he ever wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit was the book of Galatians. That was in between his first and second missionary journey. Then, as he would take the second missionary trip, he would write 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Then he would write 1st and 2nd Corinthians during his third missionary trip. And there, after 2nd Corinthians, we find that God would give him the epistle to the Romans. Now, you also see on that chart, the book of Hebrews, there's great debate on whether Paul wrote Hebrews or not. Don't get hung up there. I've placed it there because it is very possible that Paul was the writer of that since it was so uh, in-depth in the ways of Judaism. It could have been a different writer, but then you can see from there on, he would write Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, Philippians, 1 Timothy, Titus, and then 2 Timothy. But right in the middle of all of that, we find this crucial book, the book of Romans. It is a book that has been one of the most earth-shaking, life-impacting uh, books of the Bible out of all the New Testament. You have the Gospel of John that is very eye-opening to the issues of salvation. You have the book of Romans that gives you a manual for how you experience your new life in Christ. I think it's interesting that this book was given and written to the people of Rome who were living there in Rome. If you know much about religion and history of religion, you know that there was a time in Rome when the one church, the Catholic church, uh, was under great attack from the Muslim faith, destroyed there in Jerusalem, destroyed there in uh, Constantinople, and then would only be living out in Rome. That's when the Catholic church became the Roman Catholic church. And there was a period of human history when man ran the church instead of God running the church. The people who were not spiritual men were leadership within the church, and a lot of erroneous doctrine began to creep in to the Roman Catholic traditions. I'm not slamming the church, I'm just giving you a history lesson of the reality of what happened to the point where a man named Luther came on the scene, and it was the book of Romans that would open his eyes that he was looking in on a religion but not on righteous reality. It would be the book of Romans that would open his eyes, that would bring us the Reformation, that would return us back to the Scripture and the Scripture alone to be our guide of truth, not a man-made religion, not a denomination, not Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, or whatever, the Word of God alone. Here's what Luther said about the impact of Romans on his life, this book. He said, I struggled and greatly longed to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans. He said, I struggled with one big phrase, the righteousness of God. As he struggled with what the righteousness of God was, is there a righteous God, and what does that look like in this earth? If there is a righteous God, why is there so much unrighteousness even in the church and even in his own life? And he said, as I began to read the book of Romans, I came to understand what the righteousness of God was all about. I grasped the truth, he said, that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby, through grace and through God's mercy, he justifies us by faith. I felt upon myself to be reborn at that moment and to have gone through the open doors into paradise. The whole of Scripture took on a new meaning, and whereas before the righteousness of God had filled me with hate, now it became to me inexpressibly sweet 
and a deeper and greater love than ever before. This passage of Paul became my gateway into heaven. Now, if a guy like Luther needed to have his eyes open to see more clearly, it could be that we need that very same understanding. And my prayer for 2020 is that God would use the book of Romans to return us back to an understanding of what a righteous God is and what a righteous life in Christ is and the difference that that can make in our world. And so what we're going to find, if you're taking some notes, you can write this simple outline of Romans. Chapters 1 through 3 speaks about the issue of our condemnation, the issue of sin in our lives. Chapters 4 through 5 will be on the issue of justification. How are we justified before a holy God? You showing up for church today? Does that make you right with God going into 2020? Did that fix all the mess of 2019? Uh, what is it that brings us justification? Chapters 6 through 8 will be on the issues of sanctification. Chapters 9 through 11 on vindication. And then chapters 12 through 16, the application of the gospel to our lives. So let's dig in for a little bit and let's understand some things as we dig in. Turn to Romans chapter 1 this morning. Romans chapter 1. As we begin this letter called the book of Romans, we find the Apostle Paul uh, giving us some insight into what we're about to read. First thing you see, it tells us about the author. The author is the Apostle Paul. Paul says, I, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Now, first thing I want us to understand as we launch into this book, verse by verse, over these next few months, uh, yeah, it will take months, uh, we're going to look at major themes. We're going to look at major issues. But you need to understand who wrote the book, who it was written to, and the context of the issues of this book. The author, Paul. Let's talk about him for a moment. We know from Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, he was a very religious man. He grew up uh, his whole life in religion. If I was to have you raise your hands, there would be about half the audience that would say, I've grown up in church all my life. There'd be another half of this audience, myself included, that would say, you know, I didn't grow up in the church. The Apostle Paul grew up in a Jewish home. He was known as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. As he entered into his adult life, he was very studied. He was the equivalent of a seminary professor, if you will. He had been well-trained, well-raised, and he was a Jew of the Jews, all right? Very religious. We can also see in Acts chapter 22 that he had many who trained him up, we can also see in Acts 22 that while he was of a Jewish tradition, he also had Roman citizenship. And we can also understand that this was a very brilliant man who knew much about God, but did not know God. Now, that may be why the book of Romans has been probably the most impacting book out of the New Testament other than the Gospel of John. Because here we find a guy who thought he had figured it out. Here's a guy who thought he was religious and thought he was serving God. But he's going to describe the fact that he never knew God in his heart. He only knew about God in his head. The audience that he's writing to was a very unique audience. It was a group of believers who now lived in Rome, a very pagan part of the world, a very unchurched part of the world. And many had moved into that space or had come perhaps from Pentecost 
that you can read about in Acts chapter 2, or under Paul's letters and preaching and outreach in other areas that were now living in Rome would gather and form a church. Some grew up with a Jewish background. Some grew up as strictly Roman. Now they were believers in Christ, and they were struggling to understand what it meant to live a new life in Christ. Paul will step in and he'll address many of those issues of how do you live out a righteous life, not a religious life, but a righteous life in an unrighteous culture. Not a better book we could study in America today because we also live in a very unrighteous culture. Much like the days of Rome, we're doing whatever we want to do, what seems right to our own eyes. We have developed a new philosophy that we can all have our own truth. Have you, have you heard this? Your truth and I have my truth and both truths can coexist. Even if those two truths are diabolically opposed, we will call those truths. We live a lie. There's only one truth. There's only one way. There's only one life. You say, well, that's a very narrow, fundamental perspective. No, that is the reality of the nature of truth by its very essence. And Paul was writing that into a culture that wanted everything to be true. Whatever I wanted to do, it should be justified as true. Whatever you want to do, we'll justify that as true, and we'll all live happily ever after, and yet we live in chaos, misery, and the consequences of our foolishness. Truth or consequences. Let's go back to verse 1 again. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. The next thing you need to see is Paul comes and he doesn't say, listen, guys, you better listen to me. I am God's chosen person. Surely you've heard of me by now. I am one of the fundamental leaders of the New Testament church. It's not what he declares. He doesn't break out his resume of greatness. He starts by saying, I, the Apostle Paul, am a bondservant of Christ Jesus. There wasn't a lowlier title you could take on. If you know much about what a bondservant is, it's different than just a servant. There were those who were servants because they were owned by a master. They had a debt they could not pay. They had been purchased on the slave market, and they were indentured, if you will, to that master. And after a period of time, after they had worked their way out of debt, they had earned their freedom, and they could have moved on in life. But a bondservant was one who said, no, 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 I had a good master. I love my master. And I choose to remain a part of his household. That was a bondservant. They took on a unique mark. They would usually take on this mark of an ear that would be marked so that everywhere they went, they would be known as a bondservant. Apostle Paul said, I don't stand before you today a more perfect man. I don't stand before you today as the Pope, if you will. I don't stand before you as some great person. I stand before you as a choice, a, chose, a chosen path to be a bondservant to Christ. I hope in 2020 that we might choose that same position in Christ. We too might be bondservants serving the Lord in this year. He said, I'm a bondservant of Christ Jesus called as an apostle. We're going to dig into this issue of his calling. We're going to dig into the issue of what it means to be apostle. For he says, I was set apart for the gospel of God. That gospel which was promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David and according to the flesh. Who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead and according to the spirit of holiness 
Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, as you dig in, there are several things that the Apostle Paul wants us to see. Number one, the importance of living a life as a bond slave. We've covered that. The second one is that not only was Paul an apostle, but he says we also were called as apostles. You say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I thought it was only like the, the big wigs of the church. I thought Peter and John and James and Paul are apostles. I'm not an apostle. I'm just a member of the church. Well, he would say that we were all called, that we've all been set apart. And what is an apostle? The definition of apostle is a sent one. That's simply, that's all it means. Yes, he had a specific calling. Yes, he was called to and sent to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. But so were you and I. If you know Christ Jesus as Lord, if he is truly the Lord of your life and the Lord of your journey, he has not only called you to salvation, but he has called you into the role of an apostle, a sent one. All of us are sent into this world. We have to learn from the Apostle Paul that God just didn't save you to sit in church once a week and hold on until you die and go to heaven one day. God has a special calling for your life. And there are so many people in the church that miss out on that calling because they think it's only the pastor, it's only the staff of the church, it's only the pope and the bishops and the leaders of the church that are the called ones. No, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we were called out of our lostness, reconciled back to God through Christ, and he has given us not just salvation, but he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us who know Christ. And so in the year 2020, maybe we'll see more clearly the role of our calling and the role of what it means to be his apostle, his sent one. Because you see, there are some that are going to be sent right across the street to Putnam City North High School. I can't get there. There are going to be some who are sent into Bethany. There are going to be some who are sent to a particular business, a certain place within this city. God will send all of us out into certain regions and certain places of influence. And as he sends us out, we take with us the grace God has given us. And we don't just brag about the grace we have. We share the grace that other people can have. It is our calling. I want you to hold your place there in Romans, and we're going to come right back to it, but flip over to Galatians chapter 1, for when Paul said he was called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, I want you to see that calling in Galatians chapter 1. As you get over into Galatians chapter 1, it'd be very tempting to say, well, the apostle Paul, he was called on the road to Damascus. You remember his story? He was Saul at the time. He was on a mission. In his religious faith, he believed Christianity was a cult. He believed it was his God calling to destroy this cult called Christianity. He had already taken the life of Stephen. He was going after others. He was on the road to Damascus to pursue other Christians when God revealed himself. God opened his blind eyes, showed him that his religion was dead and empty, and that he needed a relationship with the Holy God. Some people point to the Damascus Road as a time that he received his calling. It's not what the Apostle Paul understood. Look at Galatians 1 and verse 15. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, God was pleased. 
Paul didn't understand it as he was going through life, but he would later understand that his calling came from his creator. It didn't come just from some journey and some spiritual moment on a Damascus road. God had a plan before he ever took his first breath. I want you to understand, God has a very unique call for your life as well. For Paul, it was to go to the Gentiles. For Paul, it was to write much of the New Testament, as I showed you on the screen. That was his unique calling. But we all have the same calling, a calling to relationship with God and a calling to be his apostle, his sent ones. To not only receive grace from God, but to take that grace to a world that desperately needs it. Paul said, I look back now and I understand that even before I could understand it with my eyes and my heart, before I ever took my first breath, God had a plan for my life. And I wonder if in 2020, if this will be the year for you to clearly understand your calling, or if you'll continue to walk blindly and miss it, even in this year. For the Apostle Paul, he came to understand that calling because God revealed it to him in a very, very personal way. Let's go back to that calling. Go back to Romans chapter 1 very quickly, and let's take a look at these last few verses. Romans chapter 1, last part of verse 1, he says, This calling that God put on me was to set me apart for the gospel of God. Notice he didn't say, okay, I got a new religion, and now I'm set apart from the Jewish culture, I'm set apart from Romans, and now I got this holy new country club called Christianity. He didn't say I was set apart from the world. He said I was set apart for the gospel. It says here that God's calling on his life was to receive the grace of God, but then he was to share the gospel. He was set apart out of this world into the world to share with this world the good news of God's amazing grace. Verse 2. He said this gospel of God was promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So he wanted them to understand that this wasn't a new religion that came just because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, died on a cross, and established a new religion. He said, no, this has been God's design all along. It is promised in the word of God. It was declared by the prophets of God. It was predetermined before we were ever born into this world. God's plan for salvation. What does that predetermined plan look like? Look at verse 3. What was promised beforehand through his promise was concerning his son, Jesus. You see, that's the only way it would ever be fixed. Us falling short of the glory of God could only be fixed by the glory of God coming down to earth, taking on flesh, and paying the price for man's sin. So Christ left heaven, became a man. That's what it says in verse 3. For he was born of the descendant of David according to the flesh. We traced that back over Christmas and we talked about how that was prophesied that through the lineage of David there would come a new king. We find that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was from the tree of David that was according to the flesh but don't miss verse 4 she wasn't born of Mary and Joseph she was born of God or he was born of God through the virgin Mary verse 4 for this son of God was declared to be the son of God and was proved through the power of the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness through Christ Jesus our Lord Paul wanted them to understand who Jesus was and what he came to do. And that Jesus, the righteousness of God, came to us unrighteous man so that we might be made righteous through not our works, but through his. 
As we go through the book of Romans, he'll unpack all these realities, the struggles of us trying to fix our sin in our religion or our religious ways. It's like many who will enter into 2020 thinking, well, you know what? I had a bad year, man. I messed up in 2019, so I better be in church Sunday morning, first Sunday of 2020, and I'm glad you're here. But just showing up for church doesn't fix it. Being here every Sunday of the year won't fix it. But if you come every Sunday, and if you approach Monday through Saturday every day, approaching the God of your creation and the God of your salvation, he will fix it. But that's why he came. Because you see, if we could fix it, Jesus would have never had to come. If it's something we could do, he would have never had to do what he did. But he came because we couldn't fix it. Verse 5. This Jesus, through whom we have received grace. Don't miss verse 5. It's what we just celebrated at Christmas, I pray. Christ's coming was to bring us the gift of Christmas. He came to give us grace. So many people take Jesus and Christianity and they make it a religion as if he brought us another list of do's and don'ts. And that what Christ brought was this restrictive box that we got to live in called Christianity. Paul said, no, Jesus came so that we could receive grace. Grace is not something you say over a meal. Grace is something you receive in your heart that you do not deserve. None of us deserved a holy God who would so love us that he'd leave his throne in heaven and take on a cross. None of us deserved to have our debt wiped out. Nobody had the, 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 the uh, privilege of, of God saying, wow, those are some special people right there, so they deserve what I'm about to do. Not one of us. And yet God so loved the world, he demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners. He brought us grace. So it's through him that we have received grace and apostleship. Look at that in verse 5. There it is again. We've received grace, not just to go to heaven, but we've received grace that gives us a new purpose. We've also received apostleship. Every one of you who received grace have a glorious purpose. You are now sent ones to go into this world, into this year, into every part of this world with the grace that you have received. We've received grace. We've received apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles for his namesake. Among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you. And peace from God. Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God wanted some things to go to the hearts of those living in Rome. And there's some things he wants to go to your heart as you enter this new year. And I want you to look again at verses 6 and 7. In verse 5, we saw he wanted you to understand God has grace for you. God has a calling and a purpose for you to be an apostle and a sent one. But God also has called you. Look at verse 6. For among you, you were also called of Jesus... To be the beloved of God. He said, you are placed here in Rome. You're the beloved of God in Rome. God put you here to be his apostles. Sent ones to Rome to share the grace of God. You are the beloved of God. You're the called of God. And look at the third thing. You are the saints of God. I don't think too many of us woke up this morning and woke up in who we are in Christ and said, you know what? 
I'm called of God. I don't think many of us woke up today and said, I'm the beloved of God. He loves me. I don't think many of us woke up today and said, I'm a saint of God. And what that illustrates is the enemy of your soul has lied to you well. And the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would write the truth that they were the called, the loved, the saints of God for a glorious purpose. And for those who come to understand those three things, he says, grace to you and peace from my God. There are many people today who don't have peace with God and don't have the peace of God because the father of lies has convinced you, I'm not worthy of God's love. I've blown it. I've fallen short of God's glory. I'm a mess. God's word says, no, you're an apostle. It's time we start living like one. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. That's just an introduction. That's just the beginning. You have to understand where Paul's coming from and who he's writing to before we can dig into where we're going next Sunday. And I hope that you will be back. I hope you will hang with this series and let this book come alive in you like it did in Luther, like it did in the whole spirit of the Reformation, and how it can bring a Reformation in your faith as well. But it could be you're here today and you're starting 2020, And it won't be any different than 2019 unless something different happens in your heart. You see, 2020 will be just a repeat of 2019 unless you start by nailing down where you stand with God. Like read pictured today through believer's baptism. He had to realize even though he's grown up in a Christian family, even though he's grown up in a Christian heritage, that didn't make him saved. And at summer camp last summer, His eyes were open to the reality that he needed Jesus for his heart. You're not born a Christian. You have to be born a second time. There has to be a time in your life where you say, Lord, I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. And God, my sin separates me from you. Lord, I turn from my sin. Just like Reed, who believed that Jesus died for his sins, was raised from the dead, He placed his faith in the only way he could be right with the Holy God. Has that happened for you? Has there been a time in your life, not that you knew about Jesus, not that you knew about God, Saul of Tarsus knew about God, was a religious man, but he was dead in his sin. There on a Damascus road, Jesus revealed truth to him. It might be right here in the auditorium of Putnam City Baptist Church that God reveals to you that He's your Savior. And you need Him to give you the gift of grace. And just like any gift, we've talked about it before, that gift only becomes yours when you receive it. Christ came to give us grace. If you've never received that gift right where you are, you could start this year in a new life in Christ. Say, what do I do? You just receive the gift. God, I receive you into my life. I want to be your bondservant. I want you to be my master. God, I surrender all. And when you do that, the Bible says that's you calling on his name. He will save you. There'll be ministers here at the front. We stand together 
Alex will sing. You ought to be the first to come and say, man, I wanted to nail it down today. I wanted that same peace that Reed Shirley has. I need that in my heart. Come to one of our ministers and just tell them that. Maybe you have another need. I don't know what that might be, but God does. Just come to one of them and they'd love to pray with you. They'd love to walk you through whatever God is speaking into your heart. And then there are those who are called. You've experienced His calling, but you're not living your calling as an apostle. You're not living the sent out life. You ought to let this be a time of prayer of dedication as you start a new year and say, God, this year, send me. Here am I. Send me to my school. Send me to my peers. Send me to my city. Send me to nations. God, send me. Lord, may you be honored in these moments as we surrender all. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.